there, this is Elizabeth Silverstein with Telltale Dog the Podcast, and this is part three of the Pandemic Pup series. I spoke with Alicia Heronchuk, a certified dog trainer with Philly Unleashed and Comfort Caring Canines, about her idea to do a pandemic series, why she wanted to do one, and what she's learned through working with dog owners over the past 10 months. I do want to share here that we're not criticizing anyone who's brought home a dog during the pandemic or anyone who started having issues with their dog before they consulted a trainer. Getting the right trainer for you can be helpful at all stages, and while the earlier the better, we're always happy to help, and we're probably going to be honest about our own mistakes along the way. Take a listen. Welcome back to Telltale Dog, the podcast. I'm your host, Elizabeth Silverstein, a certified dog trainer located in Little Rock, Arkansas. I'm chatting today with Alicia Haranchuk, who is also a certified professional dog trainer located in the Philadelphia area. She began her pet journey after her father passed away, and she's certified five of her own dogs and completed more than 1,000 therapy visits with them. They've earned over 100 titles, and she also teaches all of the therapy dog and canine good citizen programs for Philly Unleashed, along with all-level obedience classes, tricks, shy dog workshops. If you can name it, Alicia does it. You can follow her and her dogs on Instagram at Philly Hot Dogs or on Facebook at Alicia Roberts Heronchuk. And Alicia, how are you? I'm well, thank you for having me. Thanks for doing this. I'm also so excited to share that this whole pandemic series was your idea. I've already interviewed one of your clients, one of mine, and a veterinarian as well. Why did you want to do a pandemic-focused series? It kind of came to light because many of the private clients that I was seeing were suffering from pandemic puppies. And, you know, I think some people you know, got into situations that maybe they didn't expect. But before we go into it too far, I do just want to take a minute and thank all of the people out there who took the time to rescue dogs during the pandemic, you know, to give them forever homes and are making the effort to do the best they can with these dogs under the circumstances and working with professionals in their areas. I think, you know, huge shout out to those people first and foremost, but it was definitely, you know, the private clients that were coming over. I have a training studio here at my house and just recognizing that during the pandemic, our dogs need things that unfortunately they're not getting. So be it socialization, group training classes, uh, maybe they weren't aware of enrichment or how to work things in the home or crate training and just all of those things. And it just kind of brought to light that, hey, there's a lot of people in this same situation. And I'm seeing it on my end as well. Well, I wanted to kind of roll things back a little bit. You have quite the resume. It's, you've done pretty much all of it <laughs> in Thank the dog you. training world. <laughs> How did you first get involved with dog training? I'll kind of go back a little bit further so people can really understand. And that is, as an only child of a single parent, my companionship came from animals. So it's where I made connections. It's how I learned so much about just being around an animal and kind of what was appropriate and what wasn't. I have owned five horses, peacocks, a parrot, 
<laughs> you name it. I've probably had it. Two, two of my best friends were Daisy Duck and Webster Webfoot, and they were our gardeners in our house when I was growing up. So as a kid, I had a lot of exposure. As an adult, I continued my relationships. And then when my dad passed away, I, you know, obviously it's an incredibly hard time. It was the, you know, the first parent or somebody that close to me that I had lost. And it's hard and it's emotional and it's a roller coaster, roller coaster ride. And I'm not somebody, it's not my personality to sit and kind of wallow in it. And I just said to my husband, I want to do something. Let's do something to honor him. Let's take the energy and let's put it into something good. And I didn't know what that was. And it was a couple days later and I was sitting on the sofa having an emotional meltdown and my husband was coming down the stairs and I'm sorry that I laughed because I know that it's not funny, but it's funny. Just wait. Um, we both looked at each other and we said, how about pet therapy? And I'm like, oh my God, this is great. And my tears dried up and I had purpose and I was super excited. And I was like, holy crap, we don't have a dog. We had just put our two dogs down. Oh, so here I had this great idea what was I going to do? And now became the journey of how am I going to get there? I didn't know anything about it. And I thought for sure I had to have an old lab or an old golden retriever. So those were the dogs I started interviewing. It is not what I ended up with. And I got a mini dachshund who was incredibly possessive of me and had lots of little issues. So we didn't think she was going to work out. And then I got a crazy pit bull puppy and I probably had 12 trainers tell me that it wasn't going to work out. Obviously there's a part of me that wanted to work it out, but setting that aside and recognizing that we can't ask our dogs to do things that they truly don't want to do. We have to be mindful of that, but I always saw something in both of these two dogs. So I never gave up and I just countless trainers and people telling me, no. And I'm like, this dog is at her best when she is with a person, a new person. I, every fear that she has just melts away and she turns into this amazing dog. So how do I work around all of the issues that I was having? And today she is a certified therapy dog. And I think she's done like 500 visits. She is amazing. So that led me to kind of getting into dog training because I realized I had left a 15 year career so that I could have a greater work-life balance. And that allowed me to volunteer in my community more. However, I realized that my volunteer footprint could be far greater and far more reaching out into our communities if I could help other people do it. So instead of just me doing it, oh, let me help other people prepare their dogs and get them certified and get them out there working. So that led me to dog training and a cold call to Philly Unleashed about doing a blog entry on therapy dogs. And here I am five years later, I think. I started reaching out to different therapy dog organizations, either those that were locally based or internationally based. They're, they were all volunteer run. So sometimes we get callbacks and sometimes we don't. 
But this very nice gentleman named Bob Dettery actually responded to my email. And I thought his email was so thoughtful and actually answered my questions that I just decided Comfort Care and Canines was the organization for me. And here I am. <laughs> and for the last six years, I've been the president of Comfort Care and Canines. I've been doing pet therapy for almost 10 years. So I was doing pet therapy before I joined Philly Unleashed. And you became a professional dog trainer yourself when? How long ago was that? This year. You have to have, you know, a certain number of hours. And since I'm one of those people who have the day job, <laughs> mm -hmm. working in to get the 300 hours, I was, it took a little bit of time, but I finally reached that point and I just decided to make the leap and take the test. Awesome. Congratulations. It's not Thank easy. You. <laughs> You're right. Well, you have such a rich history. You have such meaning behind what you do, what you do. And I know from, we were kind of parallel at Fully Unleashed, but we didn't get a lot of, we didn't get to spend a lot of time together. But from what I knew of you and the little time we did spend together, it seems like you have such a big heart. The pandemic came out of nowhere. None of us were expecting it. And a lot of what I've seen here, and I'm sure you saw was puppies and rescues and all of that. And it is absolutely fantastic that people have been able to bring dogs into their home in a situation where they wouldn't have been able to otherwise. But like you've mentioned, there's some issues that come along with that. What did you see as a dog trainer when the pandemic hit? How did things shift? So the biggest shift in dog ownership was families adopted dogs and everybody was home and it was summertime and the kids were home and you know, the puppy slept in the bed at night with the kids and maybe there wasn't a lot of training going on. And as time went on with the pandemic, you know, the shutdowns came to a close and people are getting a little bit more back into work life. And now all of a sudden they have a dog that they rescued or adopted or whatever, whatever their means of acquiring the dog. And now we have separation anxiety you know they have crate training issues even some basic obedience they were realizing that they were missing a pretty big component and they needed to get some help would you recommend that people try to get a dog trainer at least talk to a dog trainer before they bring the dog home or before there's any problem absolutely i think the more prepared you are to bring in a new family member the greater chance of success you're going to have. And I have been very fortunate to have quite a few clients who have showed up for their training lesson. And I'm like, all right, you know, we go through the informational portion where I'm kind of gathering data on where they are in this process. And here they've had the dog for a week. Oh. <laughs> so they're like, okay, we got it. Now, what do we need to do? And that's been really wonderful to see people try to be very proactive and obviously just as willing to help those that realize, oh my goodness, now we have um, some issues. So if you can get a head start and talk with the trainer before the dog comes home, absolutely increases your chance of a successful transfer, you know, exponentially. 
I even had one client who walked around her house with her phone so that I could see her setup. She is in, Aww. yeah, she's in Chicago and she just walked around her house and I'm like, you need a baby gate there and you need a baby gate there. And this is where we're going to contain them. And maybe this is where your crate goes and this is where your feeding station is going to be. So yeah, it, it is helpful if they have, you know, the contact or the ability to kind of get that first meeting in. And what are some of the, the common, so you mentioned some separation anxiety and all that. What are some other common? Loose leash walking in the neighborhood is kind of a big deal. Puppy mouthing. You know, that's something I think that a lot of owners don't quite know how to handle. So that's been a big one. Appropriate play. So dogs that don't have the benefit of socializing with other dogs and understanding, you know, communication between other dogs can teach them things as simple as having a softer mouth. They don't have that ability right now and so that kind of comes over into the home and these dogs get a little too excited uh jumping is a big one counter surfing is another one so it kind of runs the gamut and i did want to ask how many dogs do you have now oh for my personal dogs i have four wonderful crazies in my house (laughs) um i have vegas who is I'm just going to say this. I'm a terrible pet parent. I don't actually know birthdays or gotcha days or anything like that, but I do know their names and approximately how old they are. I have Vegas, who's about eight years old. She is a pit bull. I have Lola, who is a six-year-old mini dachshund, who is uh, human aggressive. Uh, I have a five-year-old mini dachshund named Dylan, and I have a three-year-old training walker coonhound named Liberty Bell. And I've had the pleasure of meeting Liberty Bell. I think she's the only one I've met, but she's, she's a sweetheart. But I think she was on her best behavior because we were at the farm. <laughs> <laughs> she's pretty great. Um, she is a typical hound and she is nervous and full of energy and quite vocal. As hounds are. As hounds are. I wanted to, to get that in, but going back to the pandemic, and it's, yeah, I did want to add that there's nothing wrong with reaching out to a trainer when you do need help. Sometimes our dogs are great, and then something happens, or, you know, issues pop up, just the way you mentioned, and it may need us. It but, happens to us with our own dogs. Oh, absolutely. I did a whole series on embarrassment, and I shared one of my personal stories of being horribly embarrassed by a dog. I think, and, and Don and I talked about this, too, of how um, sometimes trainers get the most embarrassed because we're dog trainers, right? We're supposed to know how to handle it and what to do. And sometimes we get a a run for our money unexpectedly. (laughs) I had to rethink how I thought about dogs in the backyard because my little dog now is an escape artist and everything I thought I knew about dogs getting out of the backyard is no longer true for me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, here's the thing. We can't be our own mirror. We don't see our reflection to see maybe potentially what are we missing in our training? Is it something with timing? Is it a body language situation? So reaching out to somebody else brings in a fresh perspective. And I think, I mean, I will speak for my community and Philly Unleashed specifically to say that 
we are so supportive of one another and i bring that to my clients so i feel if i'm working with somebody maybe i feel like i'm missing something they don't just have me as a trainer they have my entire community of trainers and i can reach out to anybody at any time and ask for help and get suggestions and bring that back to my client mm -hmm. and that is powerful especially in a climate i think as a trainer where i think nicole likes to say the only thing like 10 trainers can agree in the room is that everyone else is wrong you know so <laughs> to have a community of trainers that you know is not not saying those things but is being encouraging and is bringing their expertise to the table is so important and that's why i appreciate when you want to come on a podcast like this because it'll be good for your clients and also be good for my clients so moving forward the pandemic's around for a while it doesn't look like it's going away anytime soon how would you recommend that people move forward with their dogs or what what are some things to keep in mind so i'm gonna say the first thing and it's at the top of my list because it's the thing i hear the most and that is crate training i have four dogs and i have three of them in a crate in their crates right now and one is out so even when you're home your dog can be settling in their crate they don't need to be with you all of the time if you have multiple dogs Maybe they need a break from each other. So crate rotation is a big thing. I say this because I truly live it. If I, you know, I, pre I live what I preach, I guess is what I want to say. People seem to feel like, well, I'm home. So my dog should be out with me. And that's fine and true and however they want to work it. But there's going to come a point where you need to leave the house and you're going to go back to the office or you're going to go back to whatever your normal day job was. And now your dog is going to be needing to go into this crate. So get used to it now so it doesn't have to be so stressful for your dog. Crating during the day, off and on throughout the day is a big thing. If you want to be really precise about it, get your dog on a schedule as if you were in the office. That's a big thing. Walks and finding outlets for your dog are probably going to be the next thing on the list. We don't have, you know, a lot of places are not offering group classes and I know some are and depending on whoever is listening to this, whatever your situation is, group classes might not be an option. Some daycares are not an option. So our dogs need outlets and be it physical exercise or what I call brain burns. And those are any kind of in thinking enrichment games. So it could be food puzzles or tearing up cardboard boxes. Um, as long as your dogs don't ingest anything, if they're just chewers, let's <laughs> first everybody. Those are the top two things I think that our dogs need from the perspective of the pandemic. This has been Telltale Dog, the podcast with your host, Elizabeth Silverstein. That's me, certified dog trainer in Central Arkansas, and my guest today, Alicia Heronchuk. Music has been provided by Jim Tiago, 7 Second Chance. Find more of his work on iTunes and Spotify. Stick around for After the Music for some final advice from Alicia.
when we get a new dog and if it's a first time dog for an individual or, you know, maybe it's not, we get awfully wrapped around training and sits and downs and you need to walk perfectly in heel position and I don't want you to touch something until I say it's okay or we just expect so much out of the gate with our dogs. So what I my biggest advice to people is remember to go at your dog's learning pace. Your dog is going to tell you when they're in a learning brain and when they're not in a learning brain, they need to learn at a pace that allows them to be successful. Manage your expectations and do not expect perfection from your dogs. We are not perfect and our dogs are not perfect. And the third piece of advice is to have fun. Um, find new and creative things to do with your dogs. I am a huge fan of trick training. I think trick training blends obedience, brain burns, physical exercise. It gets our dogs used to us being in different positions with them. It's not always training right in, with our dogs right in front of us. And plus, you get a few parlor tricks out of it. When your friends come back to coming over after COVID, you're going to have these great party tricks to have with your dogs. So just take your time, manage your expectations, and have fun with your dog.